Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelogue, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. And I'm here in the Condé Nast podcast studios today with David Jeffries. Say hi, David. Hello. So that people can know what you sound like. Karina Quinn. Hello. And special guest star, Pilar Guzman. Special guest star. I've been here before. You've been here before. You're not a newbie. <laughs> oh, not. Mm-mm. All of those folks are editors for Condé Nast, Traveler. And my name is Brad Rickman. Today, we are going to talk about... This is a very special episode. It was three years ago that we started Travelogue with the podcast about our Reader's Choice Awards. And that is our subject here again today. And it was, with the exception of you, Karina, I think we've swapped you out for somebody. (laughs) I think Um, Laura. uh, Was it? Yeah. And this is the same crew that was in that original podcast. So we felt like it was was time to have a reunion. Absolutely. It's just like the Beatles. Never did. So the Reader's Choice Awards, David, maybe you could talk a little bit about what the Reader's Choice Awards are, what their history are. Don't don't be long. Say it. <laughs> Give us the elevator pitch. 31 years of them. Let us years. begin yes. in 1969. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can say that as recently as 2006, I think it was, this was a paper ballot. We would send these out at like all the old yeah, SAT oh, yeah. scores, totally. you know, you know, the HB pencils. With, with and hanging chads. Yes, hanging chads. <laughs> did we use the postal service for that? Absolutely. And so how yes. did they get tallied? Did it like come in and like you sit in a back room and have that little visor I on your head? I think they and were, it was pretty close. Scantron. I still do that though. That's, no, but that's, they were mailed. They, they were, were mailed, yeah. yeah. And they'd mm-hmm. have people would have to mail them back. Okay, what um, was the... Do you remember how the numbers have grown? What was like in 2006, yeah. how many oh, entries were there? I, no, I could, yeah, 2006, we were at about 40, it, 45,000 <laughs> <laughs> 45, responses on our first year of, of hosting it online. Which was not 2006, or it was 2006? It was around, yeah, around about then. Okay. Um, and an outside company handled it. So they built the, the survey and the site, and about 40, 45,000 people. Okay. Um, and Respectable this year, at the time? That's great. You guys felt extremely, good about that? Yes, yeah. extremely. Okay. And um, drum roll. Drum roll. And so how many, how many now? 429,614 registered users. Whoa. And this year alone... These are people, and that includes people who come back year after year after year. We can track that, too, by right. comparing right. who they are. Right. 129,492 newly registered this okay. year. Okay. Wow. So that's, you know, even that. That's incredible. You're yeah. just adding on and on and on. So I can confidently say we are the largest of its kind. And larger than the U.S. Census, as we like to say. I love is that, that that you said. Is that true? Yes. Is that real? This yeah. is for reals, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's for reals. And, you know, they voted on, I mean, if we just look at hotels, 7,234 hotels and resorts were voted on out of a total of 17,000. I was wrong the other day. It wasn't 20, but, you so, know. 17,000 like possibilities. 17,000 plus possibilities. And um, 7,000 got voted That's on. a lot of hotels and resorts yeah. to, to vote on. Yes. When you look back or you look at our competitors and, and what they publish, they generally publish the number one and the runner-up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we publish the top forty in New York right. or the top sixty in the Caribbean, which so, is more helpful, I think. Right? It's more helpful, and I think I, th- I think people know that I don't necessarily have to go to the number one hotel well, in exactly Los Angeles. Exactly right, which is why it's more helpful. I think yeah. the whole idea is that obviously this is as democratic a system as we can possibly make it. Obviously, we we filter for dubious activity in terms of stacking the ballot and all of that but but also you know sometimes the difference between one and five is you know an infinitesimal you know percentage we do a yeah a five decimal point overall rating we only publish two i don't even know what mathematical 
term. I was that... told there'd be no math, but <laughs> that's not the extent <laughs> of my math. It's not hundreds. <laughs> it's not thousands. I have no idea. Well, like, we're yeah, out the, there. the score that I use for a property is 92.87654. And you'll see a couple of ties in there and in, in the lists. Um, and they'll have 92 point. I've already forgotten that number. But having five decimal points allows everybody to rank correctly. Yeah. And I think people are much more interested in ranking than they are in the But at score. the end of the day, it's meant to be a tool for the user. So sure. sometimes those very negligible differences, depending on what your preference is in sure. a hotel, if something scores higher in spa versus food and you're a spa mm-hmm. versus food person, then that will sort of weigh in your decision oh, over there's one some, property. The, the really tough markets like or competitive markets like Paris or London mm. or New York, number one will be in the 99 range and number 20 will be in the 98 range. Which is yeah. amazing. That's so, amazing. yeah, it's a really tight squeeze. So it's an honor to make it in, in the top 40 That's, because the differences are in some ways not statistically insignificant, but perhaps to a consumer from a, and, and ultimately we are a consumer product. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. When people look at a Miami list and they say, I, I really want to take a long weekend in, uh, in South Beach or environs, they can look at the surf club, the new Four Seasons, right. n- relatively new Four Seasons. But then they're like, well, it might be a little bit out of my budget range. Mm. So maybe there's a Kimpton or maybe there's a Thompson or maybe mm-hmm. there's something. And then they, they can see that, that people who make the list make it for a reason. They have yeah, a minimum number of people voting cutoff and minimum overall rating. It's very strict. Yeah. We don't fiddle around with this. This Mm-mm. is This is... So the other thing I was going to note is one of the things we can say about this group of people who fills out the survey mm-hmm. is that they appear to be very well-traveled people. They seem to yes. know what they're talking about. Not only are you getting a wide range of people, but you're also getting people who um, are informed and, and a, therefore can help you. And a much wider demographic. It used to be, we you know, 10 years ago, it used to be 60s, 70s, 80s. Mm. Um, we dropped that down appreciably to late 30s. Yeah, is, is our sort of our cutoff, and we're we're even pushing it further, and it, it, the industry is pushing it further, because of these small design hotel companies like Kimpton, like. Well, I'm and that sort of, of raises another interesting topic, which is that we the trend that we've been seeing in the last several years, the gap between when a property makes our hot list, which mm-hmm. is the new properties, the best new properties every of, May. of a year, every May. The time in which it used to take to get from hot list to reader's choice was what five, five years. years, and now that it's a um, couple of months. It's it's it's. I mean, and, and part of that yeah. it has everything to do with it being sort of digitally sort accessible. Of, yeah, exactly, and 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 the information being sort of socially transmitted and 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 everything else. So and it shows the people trust us. That's that's what what makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, who was talking about Puebla, Mexico, a couple of years ago? Yeah, zero, and nobody. Yeah. yeah, and now number one in Mexico, Puebla, right. uh, Cartagena. Which is a, a second city, you know, mm-hmm. a, a wonderful city, but yeah. not one that is only was only recently put on the map with a few openings of a few key yeah. hotels. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about themes that we see in this year's list? What sort of rose to the surface for you, David, as you were sifting through the data? Two important things. Pilar and I have talked about this. Smaller properties... Properties that reflect where they are. So now I'm going to translate properties. Properties, sorry. For the humans yeah, out hotels there. Hotels and resorts. I know. It's hotels. an awful name. Hotels and resorts. Nestled in the, yes. Can it's use it's all okay those if you words. say it if, if you have an accent when you say it. All right. Then I'll let you properties. get away with it. Properties. Yeah. <laughs> properties, mate. Properties, mate. Okay. Um, look, number one hotel in the U.S. is the Sagamore Pendry Baltimore. That sent a chill up my spine in a good way. 
It's a, a ter- because why? Why? Because what? it's a fantastic place. Yeah. It's a city that is getting more and more love. And uh, let me describe the place just very quickly. Yes, it's the Ellis please. Island of Baltimore. The, the, the building yeah. is a historic building. Um, it's directly on the harbor, or okay. the riverfront area. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks across at the Under Armour factory, I think. But it has all these wonderful elements to it. It's old. It's new. It's priced well. They found cannons in the waterfront right in front of it, dredging them, French cannons from when there was trade and war going on, and they put them in the lobby. They're like, why not? Um, It had a sense of itself, and it wasn't trying to be, all right, let's be a five-star hotel in a town that that needs them. Yeah. And Um, also, just we love a historically significant structure that becomes a hotel. Sure. And then it's got sort of built-in provenance and... And history and 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 you know a story and they don't try and cover it up right exactly and in the case of baltimore a city that to your point is emerging and obviously the un- under armor has something to do with that absolutely um that it, it actually can put a city on a map you know a, a, a hotel, hotel group yeah. a good hotel can put a city on a map and, and in some ways you know um some of these smaller hotel chains like the aces of the world who mm-hmm. have been so influential in emerging markets or emerging neighborhoods um that's exactly what they do they're sort of emerging develop- neighborhoods in i mean in, in new orleans cities. la correct and, yeah, yes it's, it's fantastic that and they, they do so well you know they yeah. started in seattle they started in the west coast mm-hmm. but i think that they have become sort of these you know ear to the ground cultural whispers predictors of emerging neighborhoods and cities. Look at Chengdu in China. I always say it wrong, pronounce it wrong. Cheng, Cheng, Chengdu. I think it's Chengdu. Chengdu, yeah. the temple. The yeah. temple. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, so what's in Chengdu? What uh, showed up on the list in Chengdu? Uh, the temple house. It, it's just a beautiful property. Yeah. Um, and Which uh, really put that city on the map, even though it, it then, has been on the of rise. Of course. Yeah. And then people, yeah, I don't want to sound like it didn't exist before we found it. <laughs> um, but the food scene there, the, the social scene there, the nightlife the scene, apparently. Scene. Mark Elwood, our contributing editor was there for quite a while and, and was utterly blown away by how modern yeah modern and almost dare i say kind of western looking yeah and the way it, where, where it's located it's it's very far west what is the chicken and egg mm. equation that mm-hmm. is at play here when this happens between a city or a neighborhood within a city a hotel or or something that, a property that goes in and i used to use the word myself this energy what which comes first does the hotel set it up? Are these people who are really sort of the the the, the whisperers and they find this stuff, or does I, there have to be I, a? I do think you know. that the hotel becomes the sort of um, the punctuation point. You know, I think that it it ends up defining a certain foment in a place. I don't know that if there isn't so- anything going on, then then the developer isn't going to be there. They they have to be somewhat predictive, right? So I do think it ends up being like they they make a gamble on a place mm-hmm. and then a whole neighborhood will emerge around it but they have to have some hunch that either artists are there or you know artisans or people who you know retailers that are you know pioneering um, there's always some creative class that ends up pioneering certain neighborhoods like downtown LA long before the Broad and you know the Ace Hotel and mm-hmm. everything else it was like the creative class had been displaced from a bunch of different neighborhoods this is mm-hmm. the same story the world over. Or they're coming back into downtown areas like Minneapolis. Correct. And Detroit and Detroit. places like this. Mm-hmm. Detroit with- Foundation Hotel, which is too new to have made the list, but um, totally. the Hewing was number one in the Midwest, which so I stayed at uh, in the middle of winter. And it was just a perfect property. It was situated in the right place. It was a grim industrial area, yeah. but there were shops and restaurants and an interesting clientele 
at the hotel restaurant and bar. That's yeah. another big factor is bar. that hotels are not Oops. seeing themselves as just a place to rest your head. It's a place you actually invite your friends or socialize in. It becomes in. the sort of the the living room, the yeah. piazza, the you know yeah. the the meeting. The way place. it used to be for the big grand dames of Europe. That's right, and right. Um, India and everywhere oh, else. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Hong to answer Hong. your question, I think that it's always the creative class that leads, and then there is you know there's maybe a coffee shop or a small sort of artisanal you know restaurant, yeah. and then. You know those developers, if they're if they're reading the tea leaves and they have their ear to the ground, then they start to say, "Okay, I see something happening here." Like downtown LA, you have great. To your point, you have, you know, beautiful sort of industrial warehouse mm-hmm. housing stock, that then becomes because of course the creative class they they lead with housing stock. Mm-hmm. You know all the great neighborhoods that have emerged in Brooklyn, for example. It's like they had been abandoned or they had you know, they had become sort of unsafe for whatever reason, but the housing stock is great. And so then, you know, that's sort of what happens. And, sure. you know, that happens everywhere. All or, or like workspace, like, you know, yeah. where they can they can have studios there. Exactly right. You think about Dumbo. Yep. There is some urban planning. There, there are some urban planning issues here as well, which I find fascinating. I think, Karina, you can attest to that. The mm-hmm. number one hotel in Washington, D.C. was the very new intercontinental at the wharf. Yeah. That property was really interesting to me and and so is the larger wharf development. I think a lot of times when you hear about a city coming in and taking over a development, you're kind of like, mm, how's this going to go? Antiseptic, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. DC in particular is limited as to how much land you can go in and develop, but waterfront property has really kind of been something where they sort of missed the mark. Like Georgetown mm-hmm. is is a mixed bag. So they were really smart and selective in how they were developing the wharf in the Southwest area. Um, And the one thing, like, I mean, they had David Rockwell come in and design the new music venue, the Anthem, in tandem with the 930 Club. They have, you know, Nick Stefanelli has just opened a new restaurant there. Like, all the bars and the restaurants and the shops are all kind of speaking to each other and making sure they're servicing the area correctly. The apartment buildings are up. They've got the water taxi service going across, like ferrying people from the suburbs and around the city to get there because the metro is somewhat limited. So the one thing it was missing was just a really good hotel that wasn't just servicing people who were in for a night, like visiting Mm. locally or looking for like a cheaper alternative close to the airport to get them to national. And that's where I felt like the IHG Mm. at the wharf did a good job is they've got a restaurant, they've got a bar. It's all integrated in the same way the rest of the development is, but they have the rooms and they very carefully carefully built the room so that they would have waterfront views and balconies. And it felt much like everyone kind of came together to make sure that the development would be considered and service like different types of travelers and visitors coming there. Nice. Yeah. I Interesting, mean, that one. it feels like there are a couple mm-hmm. of different things at play here. One of which is David, you know, or at least I noticed this, you mentioned earlier that the average age mm-hmm. of people taking the survey is going down. And we've been talking or recently. It's including it's, it's the same age, it's but then it's an ad. Yes, it's a yeah. big ad. So we still have 60s and 70s and 80s, well-seasoned travelers, but we're finally getting in the, the <laughs> no, no, 30s yeah. and 40s and 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's why I say the average age is going down across the... Not that there's... The average age is going down because yes, not, we're getting more and more younger. Not because it's we're losing the season. It's not because... <laughs> yes, no, like we have 10 times as many people taking the survey. So, yeah. um, you know, and we've talked a lot about the ways in which travel has been changing over the last five or 10 years. How do you feel like those two factors are influencing the list that we're getting? Pilar and myself and Lauren were working on the intro mm. um, to, to this RCA. It was very interesting. We mm-hmm. got quite political at one point, <laughs> throwing <laughs> names around and 
Oof. I, cool. got, I sort of bro- yeah. broke a sweat Let's there. Let's do it. <laughs> sort of naming dictators. <laughs> naming dictators. <laughs> um, but we did notice in conversations that the overall mood of a list of 1,668 hotels, resorts, airlines, airports, cities, and islands, that people were looking for a sense of reassurance, calm, safety was a big one. Um, if you look at the cities list there, there's sort of interesting what, what you know, yeah, but little groupings con- of cities. Connection to place. I connection think. to place. Yeah, that. And, and not, not being trampled in the Louvre in Paris or, or right. standing in line for hours for the Colosseum or it was just yeah. a, a lighter in- touch. And, and also perhaps. an intimacy. And I think that safety and authenticity need not be mutually yeah. exclusive, you know, and, and I think that that sometimes you think safe, you think you know, the sort of the big box, you know, the, the chain hotels are safe, they're predictable, you, they know you're, you know, they have yep. all your information. But the reality is, I think that there is a, a feeling of calm in small, mm-hmm. because you feel ensconced in a neighborhood if, if, you know, you're in a big city or, or in a case of like a Fogo Island, for example, or, you know, even some of the sort of the Grand Dames like La Mumunya, these places are sort of microcosms of cities. Yes, that's the number one hotel in the world. Which is uh, amazing. Which is, and it's been around the block which a couple of times. Which is wonderful. No, and, and, and it's wonderful. It's, yeah. And no, I know this is a naive question. Where's La Mumunya? Uh, it's in Marrakesh. Okay. And it is, you know... It has history. It has, you know, artistry. It has, you know, several restaurants, and, it, and it's very central. And it has beautiful gardens. And it is the, in many ways, a, a representation of at least a certain side of Morocco. I mean, and yep. the, you know, the other side of that would be, I would say, and I think some of these other things are trending, is the sort of rise of the Riyadh or the, you know, the the small hotel um, sure. that is representative of a place in a totally different way. Yeah, and that's an interesting list, actually, that Africa mm-hmm. list, because number one is Lama Munia, yeah. that has good old bones to it, you know, nice dark corners, beautiful gardens. Then you have uh, Royal lots Mansour. Of, lots of inlaid. Lots of inlaid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Royal Mansour is number two. Now, those two battle it out all the time. Sure. Royal Mansour is new, mm-hmm. relatively new, compared to Lama Munia, and it has taken the Riyadh level, The and Riyadh is, is equivalent to... Uh, well, you could almost say guest house yeah, or a right. converted mansion of mm-hmm. some sort, but at a high level. Mm-hmm. But Mansour is, is comprised of modern private riads mm-hmm. within their grounds mm-hmm. with butlers. And I mean, they just go totally over the top on that one. Right. Um, I'm finding properties like that, as much as they remain loved, appeared a little excessive to people this year. That, that they didn't, they wanted to be looked after, but they did not want to be pampered. Mm. That's my bumper sticker for the year. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, and I think that there's... Um, it's a quieter luxury. Uh, yes. And I think, you know, we say a lot around our offices, the experience is the new luxury. And luxury's redefinition has everything to do with the right level yes high touch but what a certain kind of high touch is about a kind of emotional intelligence on on the part of the staff and that sort of if i please recognize when i don't want want, to be disturbed that's right yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm perfectly fine in my suite thank you (laughs) (laughs) i don't need much just Just my my suite as the newbie to the reader's choice awards i was going to say I like how comprehensive the lists are because it allowed me to see just how surprised I was that it wasn't a lot of the predictable hotels. You know, it wasn't a lot of the big box stuff. Yeah. Like the di- lists were pretty diverse, especially mm-hmm. when it got into like the U.S. exploration. Mm-hmm. I was struck by 
the locations of the hotels, the mm-hmm. cities of the hotels that ranked highly on the U.S. list, mm-hmm. because only one or two of them are in, you know, I think Chicago has one hotel, if I remember correctly. New York has one. Mm. L.A. has one. Mm-hmm. And the rest are scattered at, you know, sort of small and medium-sized cities, Baltimore, Telluride. Nashville. Nashville. First time we've had a Nashville list. Mm-hmm. And so, again, so like, thank you, City Guides, Karina. <laughs> what is You're welcome. <laughs> it's, all, it's all because of our guides. Um, no, but, but what no, but does that... No, but please do look. It's a... It's yeah. a good guide. Thank what, you. What does that tell you? I mean, these are places that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, people didn't even really travel to so, in that kind of way. I love this, you know, to the we spoke a few minutes ago about Baltimore. Cities like Nashville, Baltimore, and then, you know, your sort of European equivalents like Bruges and, you know. Cologne. Cologne and places yeah. like this. Palmburg. I, I think yeah. increasingly when you go to big cities, Paris is always wonderful. However, when you start... To see that you know the same global brands are, you know, widely available there. You want a sense of place, like just you know, retail being just one example of these things. You want to feel like you are in a place that is not replicable. <laughs> it doesn't have else. an H and M and a Starbucks and, and a duty free kind of yeah. you know luxury array of whatever. And yeah. not to say that those things are not good. And you know, there's a predictability and a kind of you know steadiness to that but I think these smaller cities that in some ways because as sort of the creative class again is fleeing these bigger cities and populating places like Philadelphia and Baltimore Mm -hmm. and Nashville and you know even Austin Austin Mm -hmm. exactly that it, it allows for so much exciting food cocktail culture art culture because it's actually more affordable and so people can do this it's sort of i every time i live in park slope brooklyn every time you know there's a new space that's available i'm like please let it not be a real estate office or like a, a subway <laughs> you know or a cvs you know yeah. i i want it i want it to be uh some you know but it's not never going to happen because the rents are so high all of a sudden do you think that um we can credit a city like portland oregon for that absolutely mm-hmm. i mean also, now it's always with portlandia it's, it's become kind of a joke now but, but it's, it's getting more expensive but it's not quite as expensive right. as a seattle but you still have the same values you and, still and oddly i think that portland else. oregon has set the stage over mm-hmm. 10 15 years mm-hmm. for brad's hometown for portland maine portland maine yeah, you know, people love that airport at Portland, Maine. I love oh, yeah. that airport. That is a good airport. <laughs> it has rocking chairs in it. And it's like, great. I love it. I know. It's Maine is huge. Yeah. I just have a quick shout out for Maine for New England resorts. It's just all about Maine. I mean, Kennebunkport, out of control, and and really interesting properties. And and Kenan the fact Bunkport that their season is blowing is, up. It's blowing up. <laughs> yes, you didn't hear it from us. Don't go. <laughs> um, it's it's and the fact that their season is so short. That they have such an impact. Well, I mean, and that, that I think, for me, I obviously know the story there better than some of these other places, but I think it's similar in a lot of these places, like it, probably the same story in Baltimore. You know, Baltimore, once upon a time, you know, had a thriving economy and a thriving restaurant scene or whatever, but it fell on hard times and it was sort of bleak for a period of time. Portland was that way when I was growing up mm-hmm. there. And then something happens. And this is the thing that is the magic, you know, sort of bean. And I can't figure out what the magic bean is. I try to think about Portland I and what that we're, was. We're back to I think ju- it's often food. Yeah, food, for is, sure. food. food is, is well, often. I think maybe some young people sort of, they go to big cities. Yes. They get priced out yeah. and they and they don't get to do their thing. You know, or they get priced out because the thing that they want to do does not pay them well. Yeah. Whether they want to be a musician or they want to, you know, have a small restaurant or a bar or this or that. And that used to be actually possible. Like when we moved to New York, um, that was possible. (laughs) 
1990. Yes. Um, you know, I remember when the meatpacking district was the edge yeah. of oh, the earth. Right. And, you'd be careful and, there. And most well, of Brooklyn. Well, you'd go to Florent, and totally. you'd be, you'd be a little wary. Totally, have your grilled cheese at three in the morning, you yeah. know, yeah. it was at the edge of the earth. And there was blood on the streets. I mean, blood you know? uh, blood from the meat. Blood. Blood. Cow's blood. Thank you. Yes, there wasn't, yeah, human blood. Um, Can I just quickly say for Baltimore, we did have two hotels prior to the Sagamore Pendrion hot lists. Um, mm. uh, with oh, you, yeah. the Four Seasons. Yeah, of course. But before that, it was the Hotel Ivy. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, which is lovely. So that was a small, yeah. small, small place that was beautifully curated. I mm-hmm, know it's mm-hmm. a tricky word to use, but it was just nicely put together. Then you had a Four Seasons. I think it took over an existing property, but it uh, it came in, and that set the stage for the Sagamore. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are stages to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, the William Mulhern and Sons. Is that where is that hotel? <laughs> well, that like might be Minneapolis again. But I think okay. the same thing's happening with Minneapolis and St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's probably some similarity between Portland, Baltimore, yeah. Minneapolis, just in terms of it being a slightly smaller yeah. city. But I you know, I do feel like this trend is fueled by itself in a way in that you see when you did start to have that first wave of sort of second tier cities that were driven mostly by people who would move to a New York or an LA or a Chicago get some experience in like a first class kitchen and and then feel like I want to open my own place I can't do it here Mm -hmm. right Right. and so that was that sort of first wave and then they would go back to a smaller city but then I think that something else has happened in the last decade which is that people have a renewed sense of pride in those smaller places that they're from and this idea that uh, you know not just travel but all of these different creative activities should be tied to a sense Mm -hmm, of place mm -hmm. makes people actually want to explore that and go back you know they go get training in their new york restaurant but they but they now i think it's intentional right whereas once upon a time it was sort of forced upon them by economic you know sort of reality i think now people say like yeah okay that's cool i'm going to go apply my trade for a while there, but I'm coming back here yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to figure I think it that's out. That's right. Yeah. It's happening in Europe too. Mm-hmm. You, you hear about this as sort of, you know, we did a story in Abruzzo, for example, you know. Lyon. Yeah, exactly. Food scene in Lyon that exactly people are right. clicking they train, to. They train in yeah. Paris, they train in London, they train in all the big sort of, you know, yep. um, sort of usual places. Um, and then they go back to their hometowns. They, they reinvigorate a tradition and they add something to it. And then they put a place on a map. And I think you're right. Not only, I think, is the trend toward a kind of a better quality of life in general and not just governed by economics, but not, you know, not governed by economics. But I think it's sort of people are finding that, no, I'd, and I think that the key factor is uh, technology. Mm-hmm. So if you work outside of these sort of fields of food and whatever, if you work for more traditional companies, you can be connected to if they're based in bigger cities, you can be connected to and therefore, you know, continue to work in your small, smaller town. And you can discover things from all over the world in a way that you couldn't before and bring that into the work that you're right, doing there. Right, Whereas right, before right. you had to go there. Right. And that's, not, that's a good thing and a bad thing, but it is a communication thing that sure. allows people to stay in touch sure. and share ideas. Yeah. And another thing is transportation, which is a big deal. Um, especially transatlantic with Norwegian, which um, isn't mm-hmm. on the list this year. It's just it's people are still discovering Norwegian, but the fact that it flies out of smaller airports, Hartford, Stewart, just to name two within yeah. a radius that we could get to, very affordable fares. It means people who live in the Berkshires or... Mm-hmm. Um, they're not so isolated. They're not so isolated. They yeah. can get to an airport and they can mm-hmm. get to Europe really quickly. They and don't cheaply, have to, you know. and cheaply. It's make and it che- made it more affordable. Cheaply, yes. Sometimes it doesn't. Yes, I know, I know, but tricky. But you know, yeah, that that's kind of interesting. Airlift is everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, it really is. 
in looking at the list for airlines, I mean, it did seem like there's also more availability for the people who are in the large cities who want to do more exploration of whichever country they're in or region they're in mm-hmm. that, to get away quickly to yeah. really take advantage of like downtime or an extra day. Yeah, my favorite new route this year, route, route. Either. Uh, either. Yeah. Either. 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 Um, <laughs> is uh, Denver to Zurich. Denver to, D- Denver Denver to Zurich. Denver to Zurich. Rockies to Alps, I'm it calling it. That's that, it's uh, like people who that, just can't get enough of mountains get more mountains. The Simpsons episode where they were talking about the great, the canon from Beowulf to less than zero. <laughs> it was like on sale on the yes. television. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. Yeah, from, you know, the wonderful, you know, recreational smoking Coloradites exactly. to highly <laughs> organized Swiss people. Yes, for <laughs> sure. I guess yes. it's from, you know, pot of chocolate. So, so let me ask you, David, um, one of the most popular categories in this perpetually is the cities category. And it's also, you know, fun. Um, Not that the others aren't. So islands too, though. Islands too. Everybody loves an island. Um, I plan to get one soon. Oh, Um, yes. (laughs) Shopping now. Oh, just can can I quickly um, uh, reference the the sense of calm and and reassurance and safety. Please do. It was very reflected in the top five islands in the Caribbean. Okay. Um, And they were unusual. We normally don't have this list. But it was Bermuda, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Aruba, Cayman Islands, and Turks and Caicos. Those couldn't be more calm places on Earth. There's very little going on. And they're, they're quite... Stable, yeah. Should we say it used to be Saint Lucia, um, uh-huh. Jamaica, right? Uh, right, it, right. I think it, this is just a, a turn this year for a well, while, and then but, it'll, it'll you know. Come and back. what's interesting about that, to the point of airlift, of course, we have Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, which was you know they you used had to, be to use impossible. it used to be impossible to yeah. get there straight yeah. to Barbados now and yeah. jump over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, in terms of cities, yeah. Good example: Melbourne, in Australia, beat Sydney this year. That's a biggie. Sydney yeah. used to always be in the top three. That's very that kind of doesn't surprise me, though. Oh, Because I hear so much mm-hmm. buzz about Melbourne. Gee, and because we did a, just did a city guide on it. Look at how she pronounces it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Did you see that? I've mm-hmm. been like, schooled. Mm-hmm. I've been schooled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the pudding. <laughs> With my mid-Atlantic accent. Um, no, I mean, we were talking about how sort of, I think you touched on that whole thing about people going to other markets outside of the real big expected places. And it's more about tapping into that character. They're able to do more than they would have in the larger market, but they can do it more authentically. And Melbourne is one of those places I hear about more and more. Not that Sydney's not great, because everyone loves it. Fantastic. But yeah. about the art scene, coffee culture, food. music culture, food, food you Day know, trips. all those things. Design, yeah. The, the wine country and then the, the islands. Right. And the, there are the so exact- many different things going on it's like, within the It's sort of, of like the Madrid to Sydney's Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, it's sort of like it's got this sort of cool factor. It is the tone setter. Right. And um, it doesn't. And also, Sydney does not have great hotel stock. It does not. It's a, an anomaly, like San Francisco. Exactly. San to both of them, but they do not possible? have a fabulous hotel. Look at look at the number one hotel in Australia has been uh, the Como Treasury in Perth. Yeah, of all places. That's now, most crazy. people don't know the Perth. Perth, yeah. Perth, Perth, Perth is surprise Perth me. on the Perth on the is like, western you know, coast. Uh, the the Schenectady, yes, the, totally. the um, <laughs> Sacramento of uh, of Australia. Like, Right? I think it's more like the anchorage of Australia. <laughs> I mean, of, of, yeah. Um, but the fact now that Qantas flies nonstop, London, Perth, big deal. It really First is. First time ever in aviation history. Geek alert ahead. Scranton was what I was thinking. But of. the kangaroo the route Scranton. is Scranton. Okay, Not Scranton, my Joe Biden moment. <laughs> <It's the> Scranton. <laughs> but this so, is okay. The kangaroo route 
finally doesn't have to the make kangaroo. a hop. How about that? That's what I it was called it. in was the it? old day, old oh, yeah. you know. What's oh, the sure. new line too out of Chicago getting you down directly to Australia that a lot of the West Coasters are very happy about? Because I hear that for Americans, it's that like going from the West Coast to the East Coast and then down to Australia is just a killer. Just to cut out that yeah, couple yeah, of hours yeah. and mm-hmm. do the Chicago route has been yeah. a big boon. And they do Dallas to. Auckland, I think now. I think you're right. Interesting things, but so people are Beowulf to less than zero. (laughs) (laughs) So, what other surprises in the global cities list? Hmm. None. Um, I would well. Switzerland. I love that New Orleans is number three in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's Chicago, New York, and New Orleans. I love that little beat up. Yeah, but you know, charmer is just it, it's know, just there in, in big cities. This is all big cities. I'm just. But also, I think there is a lot more hotel inventory yeah. that's yeah. interesting there. Yeah. And San Antonio is I another one. It came roaring at number that six. Is also, New Orleans, I think, is, is all this the sort Hotel of Emma? reflection of the food pilgrimage. Right. Yeah. You know? And the culture. They all have like a unique culture. Like San Antonio's got that Southwest thing. Mm-hmm. New Orleans has almost like it's it's the closest thing we have to a European city, right? Yeah, yeah. And people are really interested in the Creole and Cajun atmosphere and food sure. and music. So like... I can see that being more of a draw, especially mm-hmm. if you've done the grand tour of like New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Greenville again made the top ten. That yes. was kind of, always interesting. Yeah. Um, never been. No, it's it's it's. I think it's it's just it's I a city that's it's, this is again a, a modern story. Bizarrely, it, it, this will will evolve over time. Again, it's based on food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's based on the food scene. It's it's they've redone the riverfront. It's quite a modern city, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, it doesn't seem to it's have lost young, much. So, like it, it, yeah. Well, it's a combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like right. it's also a lot of retirement old, kind of old stuff. Old and young. Yeah. Repopulating, but, and and aren't there like gin distilleries and yes. things like this and happening? Huge craft brewery yeah, yeah. scene. There's I also think a lot of the chefs, like when you talk about the food, it's like chefs taking the again the culture and the traditions mm-hmm. and then doing like their own kind of modern spin or something. Yeah with a twist that mm-hmm. sets well, it apart. So, I mean, that's a case in point, and this happens in a lot of places where you get a certain big chef going in, and then like Brock opened up a, a husk there. Oh, that's right. And then there were a couple of others. Yep. And what that does is start to create a local economy for the farmers and the and the purveyors. Right. And then people can locally start to open up restaurants, leveraging that economy that's been boosted by the, the, yep. the sort of anchor. And back yeah. to what Pilar said, that... Somebody growing up in that region doesn't have to come to New York or go to Miami yeah. anymore to train yeah. at a restaurant like Husk and you right. know, go from dishwasher to sous chef to. You know, so eventually, you're, it's homegrown talent. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it used to be that everyone would yeah. leave, and now they're 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 staying, yeah. which is a nice thing to and see. And the and to your point, Brad, the the pride piece I think yeah. is yeah. can't yeah. be sort of underestimated. And I think you know the interesting thing that I see in terms of travel in general is that historically. Especially, we track the high-end luxury market, and we have historically gone across the pond or around the world, and we seek other. I think that there is a a greater interest in American travel, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, for all kinds of reasons. But you know, Africa is always great, India is always great, Europe is always great. But the reality is, most people haven't seen the West, and um, even our own sort of our own fauna yeah. in the West, you know? So we're seeing this sort of, these are very sort of broad stroke trends that we see happening, but I think it's very exciting to sort of celebrate American travel. Yes, yeah. top three islands. Hilton Head, again. It's great. Safety, <laughs> lovely, I know, you can love. <laughs> Hilton Head, Amelia, and Kiawa. 
So but, all yeah. low country. Yeah. I thought it was Kiowa. <laughs> but it, it's low country. It used to always be Maui. Maui would be oh, number one. that's interesting. And there's no discredit to Maui. I think it's number four. But it's, again, it's like, oh, I didn't know a crab boil tasted so good it's, on it, newspaper, um, as a big outside. F- only on newspaper. Yeah, I, as a big fan the of the country. area who has who has vacationed down in the Carolinas extensively, um, I've sort of been waiting for them to have their moment. And, like, the Sanderling did really well on resorts. Yep. I think, like, a lot of people, especially for family travelers or multi-gen mm-hmm. groups. Ooh, big, um, big you did a trip. You did Kiwa. We did. We yeah. were, de- we were in, like, We went to Palmetto, which uh, is closer to Hilton Head, also uh-huh. on the list. But... You know, like it's got everything. You know, like swimmable waters, right? Not really going to surf, but yeah. your kids can go You're play not in the water. Be eaten by a crocodile? No. Well, oh, maybe. I've seen them down there. There's in See. some spots. <laughs> the bluff has them, but just a small one. Lots of like mm. amazing, amazing opportunities to go out and like <laughs> shell collect sand dollars. <laughs> lots of great seafood. Lots of great seafood. Yeah. Lots of really like convivial culture and participatory things you can do on the water in terms of activities. Like you can make it, you can scale it however you want. There is kind of something for everyone, but the the kind of the communal vibe is that it, it's you will for sure relax yeah. and, and enjoy it's, yourself. It's a long season as well, which if, is yeah, nice. you can get away yeah. at any yeah. time really. And bike, the cars culture is gone, yeah. which I think is I a huge relief oh for gosh. people. Oh yeah, is to oh I don't have to drive. Yeah. I don't have to drive or I don't have to worry about my children yes. and cars, yes. you know. That's and, the and that, charm and that's, of Hilton, yeah. And it's like the, the charm of Fire Island, you yeah. know. It's, it's right. that That is why the, yeah. the one and only reason why we go to Fire Island in the summer. Well, I hear this from a lot of parents with small children or younger children. They're like, the fact that we could just let the kids hop the bikes and kind of explore on their own and we knew, like, we didn't have to worry about them. That's not something you can really, like, we had that growing up. It's not really it's replicable like the, yes. as much today. Yeah. That's right, with the helicopter parenting. <laughs> No, but also just, yeah. you know, you can't, especially if you live in a city, Yeah, you don't have that luxury. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to cruises as well. Well, that's what I was yeah. going to, that, yeah. that was a good segue because, again, that's another environment in which you Multi-gen. can, you, yeah, you can do that. So what do we see in cruises this year? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we introduced a new category this year, mega ships, because ships are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, as we know. Mm. That's pretty much what I'll say about that. Uh, our small ship category oh, expanded. That was mysterious. <laughs> well, uh, there, re- there really are two bookends. It, it, the popularity of these enormous 4,000-plus passenger ships, which provide everything mm-hmm. you would possibly need and are, do very well. And the and upside of that is you're not wed to the... You know the you, the, buff, the single buffet right not, anymore. Now you really have nothing to complain about. You're, you're it like, really is a my, it's a small city. That's yeah. exactly they, right. Yeah. They partition them off so you can feel well, you like know, you're and in even even at the high end. You know, with uh, Norwegian with mm-hmm. their launch of the Haven, for example. I mean, it is like a four seasons within. Well, it's a the Upper East Side compared to Chelsea. <laughs> or, you, you, you know, sort of, yes, exactly right. Yeah. But there's actually, um, there's beauty and anonymity being able to dip into both worlds. Like, yeah. because the small can get quite insular and, you know, yeah. it's like living in your own neighborhood. and the having small to, ships, you mean. Correct. Which, you know, are wonderful and high touch service and all of the rest. But I think the advantage of sort of something like the Haven within a larger ship is that you get the sort of best of both worlds, especially if you're traveling with children and grandparents and this and that, then, you know, they can go to the casino while you hang out and read whatever your kids can do the go-kart and, and, you know, 
everybody you sort of wins. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. What do you think the ones that are, because uh, I feel like we perpetually see Disney, we perpetually see Princess. What does these lines get right? What does Disney get right about the way that they put family, this together? Family, family and family. customer yeah. service. Yeah. You know, from the point that you sign up for your cruise, like the reminders, the way they walk you through Mm -hmm. the process, especially if you're new to cruising, Mm -hmm. is really helpful and informative. And what that leads to, uh, I think all of us, um, because most of the editors, or quite a few of the editors on staff, took a cruise this year, Mm -hmm. we're lucky enough to take a cruise this year, is loyalty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The number of people I met on my Viking Ocean cruise who had been on multiple Viking Ocean cruises Mm -hmm. and will not switch brands is astonishing. Yeah. And it's all down to the, you know, towards the end of a seven-day cruise, there are gentle reminders of, oh, come down and talk to the concierge about mm-hmm. next year, mm-hmm. and we'll give you a 10% discount at sea. But <laughs> when, when we dock, you won't get yeah. that. They're just very clever in a very, in a very genuine way, mm-hmm. uh, because they really want the same people. They're also just very, very good. They're very good Viking at what they do. Viking is just excellent. Yeah, I, yeah. it was splendid. Let me ask a different question about the small lines. What kind of trends are you seeing in the small lines? The small lines are almost joining the same group as river cruises. And how do you mean? What, what does they're, that mean? They're more experiential. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. They get, can get into smaller ports. Uh-huh. They have, I would say, slightly more inventive itineraries. Any destination trends that you're seeing there? New new places that or places that have become it's more amazing. popular? amazing. If you look at Cruise Mapper, you look at, you look at a live map of every cruise ship at sea at the moment. You say that like I don't look at such a map. <laughs> Which I'm doing right now yes. with my yes. other eye. Yes. I have one by my That <laughs> is not on you. But it's just fascinating. There, there's, there's, there are very few corners of the world that cruises haven't well, touched, smaller, except for the Northwest the smaller bandage. vessels have the advantage of yeah. going to places that you can't get to by land, yeah, remote like North, parts yeah. of Russia. And, and Northwest you know, Passage. Correct. Yeah, going going over that the top of North America. Everyone like I know seemed to have already tapped into the like if you're going to see Alaska, cruise ship is the way. But yeah. now I'm seeing like the the fjords and mm-hmm. going up mm-hmm. into like mm-hmm. the Baltic and stuff seems to be a growing trend. Adriatic. I mean, as things are melting, yeah, yeah. it's the one advantage to the global warming is is increased access. Yeah. Antarctica, yeah, Arctic yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was both. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Arctic being north, Antarctica being south. Thank you. Thank you. Jenna, you've you know, saved me having really to ask know, another naive I like, question. And, and I, I really was just like, quick, quick, quick. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is it? So then last thing I'll, I'll ask you about um, is airlines. And what are you seeing there? Anything surprising? Anything anything new and different? Singapore. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a longest flight in the world? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, we have an editor on it right, right now. I know. 19 Exciting. hours. She said it wasn't that bad. She loved she it. She tweeted that it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's, that's, that's a toughie. Um, yeah, but it's also a you know great new fleet. Right? Yes, yes, it is. Um, and transatlantically again between the U.S. all points in the U.S. West Coast, middle of the country, East Coast, getting to Europe couldn't be easier. These and days. Alaska Air, they've increased their routes. Yes, I mean they. they yes, and yeah. the, and having inherited Virgin America mm-hmm. um, with a, a fairly smooth transition mm-hmm. um, earlier this year. People were very worried that Virgin America would go away, but I think they know that they've incorporated the qualities of Virgin America that made that airline so good into mm-hmm. their own yeah. fold. What was and the it, favorite um, domestic airline for Alaska. our readers? Alaska. Yeah. Alaska. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Indianapolis made the top of the mm-hmm. list for domestic airports, yes. and I have not been, so I'm curious if anyone has. Yeah. 
as security gets tighter yeah, and, and the bigger so the bigger easier. airports are more congested. Every yeah. time I'm in a small yeah. airport, it's just such a godsend. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I had an experience uh, last summer coming from Sicily through Rome back to New York. And the flight from Sicily had a remote parking spot, so it didn't have a, a jetway. Uh-huh. We got into a bus and then went to the main terminal. And I literally ran for 30 minutes through Fiumicino Airport to get to my connecting <laughs> gate for the America flight. I didn't have time to stop it. Salvatore Ferragamo. <laughs> Good job. I know. I know. And it, it broke a huge sweat. It was those kind of airports now get me quite anxious. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mal, yeah, Malpensa is the same way. There are like these, <laughs> like, <laughs> these, like, endless the satellites. It never seems to stop. No, You're just like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Can we take a flight he, from, the, from the gate to the. To there's the a terminal? joke growing up in London that the Heathrow Airport was a very early adopter of ticker boards. Remember the ticker yeah, boards? Yeah, of course. <laughs> And then it would tell you how long it would take to get to the gate. Oh. You know, gate 5,029. And we'll take you one hour and 10 minutes. And we, we always joke that it was based on kind of, kind of, kind of a, you, your grandmother's pace of walking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you would actually find out it wasn't. It was based on like a young athletic teenager. Oh God, that's hilarious. It's so, so true, though. Yeah, no, I really believe that, that these smaller airports are, are appealing because you can get through them like Providence, Rhode Island, or it's just, it's so much easier. You know, it's back to Tampa, the th- yeah, West Palm Beach. It's back to the theme you started with, which is small. Small is big. Small, small is big. the new big. And small. here I'm going to segue uh. again. Um, we asked people where they'd been and where they most want to go to next. Where do they want to go? Number one, overwhelmingly, Italy. Uh, Small is big. Little Italy. Still Italy. Come on. That's not new. I was going to say, that's not a surprise. Okay, I see see the thread here, but it's always Italy. Come on. (laughs) It's got so many regions. I I was there recently and in the, up in the, um, the lake region. Uh Uh-huh. And I was shocked, you know, and I've been, I spend a lot of time there and I was just amazed by. Brad has an Italian wife. Yes. This is, From Torino. This, this is known. <laughs> this is known. Um, but uh, I was amazed by, yet again, by the size of that country and how packed it is with blessings. Like yeah. that yes. is just, it's just, just geographic, just yeah. like the history. Anyway, so, um, so small is the new pig. Okay. David, when does voting come around again? Because, you know. April 1st, 2019. Okay. Mark your calendars. Right around the corner. And and write down your travel, whatever's going on with you travel-wise between now and then. Thank you all for coming. That was great. Thanks for having us. Um, I do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. We are now on Spotify. You can find the podcast, the pod, and also the Women Who Travel podcast is on Spotify. Visit us at cntraveler.com to get all these lists, to get mm-hmm. all of the voting results. You can go to cntraveler.com slash RCA. And, and also, as of yesterday, everything's um, on newsstands. So please go pick up a delicious copy. It's really it's beautiful. nice. It's, it's beautiful, big. beautiful, beautiful. We're all very, very proud of it. It's big and fat and beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Cover shot by Pixel 3. Yes. <laughs> of Bermuda. Of Bermuda. Cover, yeah. cover Number of Number one Bermuda. island in the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. I went Atlanta. to a I went to a product release for Google last week, and they had our magazine like all <gasps> over the place, Good. and all the other Condé Nast magazines that they had shot. But that's cool. I was bon like, app, yeah, right? yeah, I worked there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Bon App was there. Yeah. W, all the covers looked great. I bet they yeah. always look great. But yeah. yeah, impressive camera. We are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube, and CN Traveler on Instagram and Twitter. Please do tweet at us. 
and send us feedback. Review us on iTunes. You can't review us on Spotify, so ha, ha, ha. Uh, send us an email or tweet at us. Happy birthday, Lale. I hope your 45th is a good one. Uh, David, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, easy. Um, just a stamp. One World Trade Center, uh, uh, 27th floor. Stamp? Yes. Lick it. What is a stamp? <laughs> what is this thing of Say which you speak? Zip code 10007. Karina. They get to me. At Karina Quinn. I'm terrible on Twitter, better on Instagram. Oh, don't be so hard on yourself. Mm. I'm lazy. Or work on it. <laughs> do, do better. Uh, Pilar is at Pilar underscore Guzman. That's right. And I'm at Bradrick. Have a great weekend, everybody. 